Yo, yo. What up, what up? Welcome to the WTF Should I Do It My Life podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Sokol, and this podcast is all about helping you live with greater levels of success, purpose, and authenticity while being strategic about the unique challenges and opportunities that exist today. If you've reached the top of the mountain in life only to find that you didn't quite get what you were looking for, or you're on the way to the top of the mountain and kind of realize, you know what, I don't think this is where I'm meant to be and I'm craving that deeper fulfillment and purpose, well, you are in the right place because these interviews are designed to bring more clarity, more confidence, and more inspiration into your life so that you can live with the fulfillment you desire and perform better in all the areas that matter most to you. This interview, <laughs> that sounds funny the way I said that. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm going to leave it in. This interview is with Jake Ducey, who is a two-time published author with Penguin Random House. His books are The Purpose Principles and Profit from Happiness. He's a leading speaker for his generation, having been featured in TEDx Youth. He's been hired by mega organizations such as Nielsen and Ascenter, and he is a leader who's already inspired thousands of young people to seek meaningful careers and to make a difference in the world. So today we are going to dive around a bit, do some cannonballs, some backflips, and explore a few different areas, specifically a couple that I'll mention beforehand are the specific type of pain that is actually worth feeling. We'll talk about how to handle rejection and how to discern between your fear and your intuition. And uh, Jake shares a powerful question to help you craft your vision for the next year. So here we go. Let's do it. Jake, thank you so much for joining us. Jake, thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure, dude. Well, it's crazy to think that we first connected... I believe in 2012, and so it was like maybe four and a half years ago. Uh, maybe you can remind me and kind of share with the listeners what was going on in your life when, when we first connected back in, I believe, the beginning of 2012. Well, do you remember who connected us? Oh my God, I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get shot for not remembering. Remind me, please. Lisa McCourt. Okay, cool. Lisa Mc... The yeah. Hay House author. Okay, awesome. So Lisa McCourt sent an e a three-way email, and she said, hey, you got to meet this guy, Jake. And, and we stayed in contact, and you were in San Diego. You were, you were traveling. And, and uh, I think I, I had I – I was close to releasing my first book. I was 19, and you were, you're, you were like, you're like a couple years older than me, so you're probably like – 22 23 maybe something like that and uh, yeah it was, yeah, it was a little, little bit older i think i was 26 at that point oh 26 okay About, cool yeah. so yeah so i was just releasing my my getting close to releasing my book about traveling around the world backpacking around the world and and feeling that sense of like i was meant for something more and in, in in aligning with that inner calling and for people who aren't familiar with your story yet so take us, kind of backtrack us a little bit even before that. You, you had just gone on this big trip. Like take us through how you even got to that point. Well, right, we all have our own story, but the underlying thing I think is something we can all relate to. And that's realizing that the path that you've been on 
isn't really yours and maybe yours is something totally different, like you're meant for something different or something you feel is maybe even larger. And for me, it was, I grew up in San Diego. I was a first team all San Diego basketball player, first team all San Diego. And we were one of the top teams. And, you know, I was recruited pretty heavily for college basketball. And I thought I was going to go to school on a basketball scholarship. I'm tall. People say tall people are good at sales, so I'll go get a business degree and sell something for some company, and everything will be great. And when I got into to 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 freshman year of college to play, and we we went up during the summer, and I was spending eight hours a day playing. I started to really question things. And when I got into economics class freshman year, I wanted to know how, why we couldn't audit the Federal Reserve and what we were going to do about these problems, economic, social, environmental, that our generation was inheriting. And I fell across a couple personal development books and I started to think like, am I actually happy? Am I actually doing what I want to do? And I realized that I was kind of living my life out of parents, parents and friends. And all my friends were studying business. Like, right. That's what you do. It's like, you're, you're on the right path if you're studying business. And you know, my, my life was based off of exterior things. If my name was in the paper, if I scored 20 points and if people watched me do well and we're not all, no one has that same story, but I think the general theme is our life is pretty much based off of these exterior things and we're often put on a path that isn't actually ours. And, and this quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson spoke to me, do not go where the path may lead and instead leave it and make your own trail. And that was when I started to think, I think similar to yourself, you know, maybe, maybe some traveling might be good for me. And I had a few thousand dollars saved from basketball camps and I thought I'd just kind of vagabond it. And your travels took you to Bali, which is a place that many of the people listening know that I spent a lot of time there, done several retreats, done my own just spiritual disruption there, if we call it that, uh, and some processing there. But but you you had an interesting and that, and then it's funny as I remember being in Bali a year or two later and actually seeing your book at a local <laughs> uh, tourist Balinese cafe that I was at. And it was a, a moment of synchronicity. But you actually went to Bali and you went on this kind of journey there. What, what was that about? Well, so I started in Guatemala. I went through Australia, then made my way over to Southeast Asia. And I was, I felt like I could find something if I went out around the world. And Eventually, I met some locals, as you know, they can be they can be very friendly. And they told me they wanted to take me back to their home village, which was on the island of Lombok. So we we boated over to Lombok one day to go meet their family in the little concrete shacks that they lived in. And they wanted to take me to their favorite waterfall. And so it was pouring rain, you know, the the beautiful uh, tropical rain that's coming down super hard, but it's also very, very, very warm. And as we headed further and further outside of town, I realized this was probably the furthest outside of 
town I'd ever or or civilization had ever been in my life. And you know, it's it's coming down, and we make our way up this mountain, and eventually they they park the bikes and the the, the motorcycles, and they said, you know, we're gonna we're here. And as you know, when you really get out there, there's not trails when you're hiking. You know, you're you're really out in the middle of nowhere, especially in the pouring rain. And we were climbing these big boulders covered in moss to kind of get up this mountain to this waterfall. And when we were walking, climbing, I slipped and I slipped off the rocks and, and off the moss and, and saw like you were telling me before the show kind of saw my life really flash before my eyes. And I thought I was going to die. And all those voices start to run into your head and covered my head up, thankfully. And, and felt like I was falling for an hour. I could hear them yelling my name and kind of suspended in space and time really. And the next thing I, I know, um, I kind of, open my eyes and I'm creviced like 12 feet below into those boulders we were climbing creviced in between them and I kind of open my eyes and I roll over and I move my arms and my legs and I'm okay I'm a I'm alive I good like my arms bleeding and my leg was bleeding but I could move all my parts and it seemed like everything was together and of course I was you know in a state of shock and the next thing I knew one of the guys I was the locals that was taking me out there named Ari, he jumped after me and I I really didn't know him. I had just met him and we were friendly and he wanted to take me and I started crying on the spot because like this guy, I didn't even know him really. And I fell and he's jumping after me and it's, you know, it's pouring rain there. He could easily die. And I, I literally started crying. I always say, I was like, the most heroic thing that ever happened to me besides my mom birthing me. And after a while, they were able to basically levy me out. And, you know, I was in shock. And thankfully, you know, I didn't break anything. And that was when I realized, like, I almost died. And I'm on the other side of the world. And I was basically traveling to run away. Um, part of me thought I'd never come back. And if I got enough stamps on my passport, then I'd, you know, be cool or I'd find my purpose or whatever. And that was when I realized like I was, I personally was traveling for the wrong reasons. And that's when I got the vision, you know, the same question you said when, when, when you got, when you got bitten by the mosquito and you were in the hospital and you said, you know, um, what would I want to create if it was the last thing I could create on earth, if I was going to die. And I realized, you know, I wanted to, write and share my story. And, and that was when I got the vision for the book and decided, you know, I needed to come back. Mm. Well, thank God you're back. I'm glad that that did not end in a fatal catastrophe. What, what I'm thinking of as you share is, you know, inherently you felt this deeper knowing that chasing external things wasn't going to do it for you. And that brought you to, uh, to travel and it brought you on a journey. It brought you on an external journey. It brought you to travel to all these different places. But the thing that oftentimes I find that I'm craving and many people are craving is really, whether it's through external things or, or travel, it's really connection with ourself. 
a deeper connection on the inside. And we think that when we get, you know, this next promotion or we get this next status symbol or whatever it is that we'll, we'll feel more whole and complete. And with travel too, travel can kind of be this thing that we see, you know, we, we do it and it looks good on Instagram and, and Facebook. Um, and we think, oh yeah, that's, that's what I'm missing. But really the journey is a journey on the inside. And it was, as I hear you had that awakening of like, oh yeah, what I was really craving is uh, the inward journey, not to run away from things, but to connect more deeply to what actually matters to me. Um, So when, when you say that you were, you had that insight of, okay, I don't, I don't want to run away. What was it at that point that you, um, that shifted for you that you were like, okay, I'm ready to look at this now, or I'm ready to, to do something here now? It was pain. I felt a lot of pain because I felt like I was running and I hadn't talked to friends and family. Like my parents didn't even know where I was. And obviously they were against me traveling to begin with. Um, My dad was supporting my mom, you know, thought I was ruining my life. And I just, I felt like I had disconnected with where I was supposed to be. So the pain made me realize, you know, I I need to step into something larger. And I think that can be one of the beautiful things about pain. Um, It it can bring us closer with what it is that we're really feeling called to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the thing that can stop a lot of people from doing that is that risk is a scary thing. And, And the tagline on your website is, there's no reason not to take risk. Life is brief in the eye of eternity. So what, how can we discern between what risks are worth taking and which ones aren't? I think that everyone has, in, in everyone's heart of hearts, I think that everyone knows their own answers. A lot of times people ask, you know, and I'm sure it happens to you when you're coaching someone, right? And they ask a question, you say, well, what do you think? And then they tell you the answer, like that they know, but they're doubting that voice. So I think for, for, for you listening and, and, and for all of us, I think we all know which ones really are worth taking. But in my own estimation, I think there's pain no matter what. Often the, we don't want to take a risk because of fear of the pain of uncertainty, And I think that it's important to kind of reflect on, well, which pain is coming from fear and which pain is stunting our growth. So there's a lot of maybe pain with the way that our life is. Maybe it's in regards to us thinking that we're meant for something more and we're we're not creating that beautiful, meaningful life whether it's professionally or um, we feel our souls work or maybe it's in our relationships, whatever it is, we feel like we're meant for more. And that feels painful. We feel stuck. But then there's also this pain of, well, it's very uncertain if I go this way. And, and I always want to look at, um, well, which pain will help me grow more? And I think that the the 
pain of uncertainty for me was the one that I knew would help me become the person that I, that I really wanted to be. Because the point of the goal, Henry David Thoreau says, isn't what we get, but who we become. So I always want to look at like, okay, which pain is really going to help me become this type of person? And I think that um, that's how it can, can, can make sense which risks to take and which, which, and which risks not to take. And for people who are listening who are saying, well, fuck, I don't want to feel pain, but now that I'm being woken up to the fact that I'm going to feel pain no matter what, what advice do you have for navigating what you're, what you're calling kind of like the pain of uncertainty? Yeah, I mean, it, it is, I'm reading a really cool book. It's called Resilience. Um, I forget the author's name. He's a former Navy SEAL in the books about a mesh, uh, mental and emotional toughness. So he was just talking about really how there is pain in in making decisions. And if you do make that step of uncertainty, whether it is to um, finally commit in a relationship or, or, or it's on the other extreme and it's to make a career change, I think that one of the ways that I found that I can navigate that uncertainty is simple reminders. And I think the fear of rejection is one of those really big uncertainties. So I think that I always, when I was starting, it was so hard to get the book going. Everyone rejected. I, I couldn't get a publisher. I had an eight by 11 pieces of paper all over my, like hundreds of them all over my walls. And it's, it was this affirmation that I was published by a certain publishing company and the founder actually ended up rejecting the book and I had to peel like 200 pieces of paper off my walls, which was, I, I was crying. It was devastating. And the only thing I think that kept me really able to keep going was Jack Canfield talks about when someone says no, you say next. When someone says no, whether it's an event that doesn't work out or someone specifically rejects, you say next, no, next, no, next. And he says, S-W-S-W-S-W-S-W. Some will say yes. Some will say no. So what? Someone's waiting. And I think that that helped keep it in perspective when I felt called by something larger. So I think um, I think having that perception and awareness to know, to, to remind myself of simple things when I failed, because when you step into uncertainty in something – and it doesn't work out, especially professionally or in a career, that resilience is essential. And then the other thing I think for me was just knowing what it is that I was really stepping into, you know, <laughs> like having a vision for it, because then the uncertainty, um, I can navigate the uncertainty by having a larger vision for it. Yeah, that's great. And so I was going to ask you one question and then as happens in these interviews, the last sentence you say, I'm like, oh no, wait, we got to go in this direction now. So for those who are listening who feel a little confused or, or just totally not connected to a vision that is clear to them, um, how, how might you support them or how might they be able to get in touch with that? Um, I'd say, 
in my own experience, you know, everything I can share is just from my experience. And in my experience, asking myself this one question, what would have to happen one year from now for me to look back and say it was my most successful and fulfilling year yet? What would have to happen one year from now for you to look back and say it was your most successful and your most fulfilling year yet? And when you ask that, I think you can give some perspective. And if you can't say, I don't know, which is generally what happens. We feel confused about something. And when we ask ourselves, well, what do I want to create moving forward? We always say, I don't know. And if you can't say, I don't know, then what is it that would make the year the most successful, the most fulfilling year yet? And you just kind of look at it. Well, maybe I'd want to go travel or maybe I'd want to double on my income or maybe I'd want to start working on a book or learn the guitar and just finding some of those things because I think when we have some goals, they don't need to be these big goals to like go whatever, you know, reach a million people with your message and do all the, it could just be these little goals. And I think these little goals can give our life a sense of purpose and meaning that we can wake up to a sense of, a sense of, uh, a sense of purpose. So this, this Navy SEAL talks about how, um, he thinks the biggest problem with, with veterans isn't PTSD. Um, and of course, you know, it's everyone, everyone can have their own opinion, but I thought it was interesting. He said he thought really the biggest problem was when they come back from war is they no longer have a sense of purpose. They're going through all these really crazy things when they're out at war, but what keeps them focused and together is they have a team they're there to support and a mission and an objective. And so I think when we can find some of those little goals and then one thing I thought was really interesting, man, I, I, I learned that um, Beethoven, when he was 31, and he found out that his, he was going to not have his, his, uh, his hearing anymore, um, he, um, he thought about killing himself. He thought about committing suicide. And he sat down to write a suicide note when he was 31 after finding this out. And when he sat down to write it, it turned into a letter about why he was deciding to stay alive. And they didn't find it till after his death with the, with the rest of his papers. And what I got out of that was his biggest adversity turned out to be his biggest advantage. And so I think that if we have an, an adversity that, I mean, just take, I mean, I don't even need to even uh, elaborate on that. I think it's just when we really take that in, like Beethoven was so overwhelmed and felt so uncertain and confused, um, which is something that I feel sometimes and you feel and everyone listening on all different scales and extremes. He thought about taking his life and he ended up being one of the most impactful humans that ever lived. And so I think when, we can stick with the challenges that we're facing, the uncertainty that we feel, and the things that we think are holding us back. Often, just beyond that, there's there's really a breakthrough. And I know you're a big fan of Joseph Campbell. And doesn't he say something like, "Your greatest treasure is is in the darkness of the cave that you don't want to enter," or something? And so I'm kind of rambling a little, but yeah, well, totally. And uh, big fan of Joseph Campbell. Yeah, it's something. The fee, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. And that ties in beautifully with another question that I wanted to ask you, Jake, which is 
When it comes to listening to that voice inside of us, how do we discern between what's fear and what's intuition? Because a lot of people say, listen to that deeper voice inside. But if you're like me, then you've got a lot of voices in there, especially when there is a lot of uncertainty. So, so how do we discern between the voice of fear and the voice of intuition? And are they the same, perhaps, sometimes? Um, I feel like my intuition doesn't speak to me in fear. Um, and so I think that it's self-awareness and to put the close the computer screen and turn the phone off or put it on airplane mode for a couple minutes and feel what you feel in your body. We, I honestly believe in my heart of hearts that everyone knows the, the right answer for themselves. The, the challenge isn't to find out what the right answer is. It's to actually do it. It's to actually overcome the, uh, the more animalistic or, or, or uh, subconscious self-defeating programs of ourselves. So I think it's to tune into how we feel um, and and I think we know I think I just I believe that we know the answer and that there's not really this formula where like to take it through is just like how do you feel in your body and you know the I think that the one maybe the step we're supposed to take is feels like a little bit more of an exciting fear than a very um, than a very stagnant and dull kind of fear because it's really scary to step into a relationship or to ask for a raise or to go ask that person out at the cafe um, or to to set a big goal where you say I'm going to double my income or to leave something that's secure. But I think that those things also have excitement in them. So I think it's just tuning into like, how do I feel? And just remembering that we're all, Steve Jobs says, remembering I'm going to be dead soon is the most important tool I encounter to help me make the big decisions in, our, in my life. My dad, um, my dad just came over five weeks ago and he said, uh, hey, um, I don't mean to scare you, but I'm really worried about my heart. And um a week later, he collapsed during a workout, um, woke up on the ground, and um, the next week he went in for major open-heart surgery. He was born with one less of his aorta valves, and it completely destroyed his heart, and he had, he had numerous minor heart attacks. He's, thankfully, he's alive. He's stable. He's doing great right now. Um, they just released him from the hospital, but like, you don't know what's going on. So I think just remembering that we're going to be dead soon can help us follow that excitement that, as Joseph Campbell says, that bliss, even though it may be scary. Um, I think just, I think, yeah, I think that's what I would say. Hmm. And is there any particular, let's say like a life philosophy or kind of guiding wisdom that you continue to, to use to navigate your own life and continue to come back to? Well, I'm really fascinated by this, by, um, there's this quote by Wayne Dyer that changed my life. You don't get what you want, you get what you are. 
or Socrates said a really long time ago something similar. He said, don't be so concerned with what you have, but with who you are mm-hmm. or what you are. And so I think that um, when I'm not making the progress that I want, I can always tune back into who I'm being and seeing where I'm probably keeping myself at a level that's not where, where, where I want to, to be. And so, and how, how would that show up physically for people who are listening, who are like, well, that sounds really cool. What would that actually look like in the, in the physicality or the day by day of your life? Well, let's take, for example, having a goal or a dream or a desire of any, of it could be anything and not, and not getting it. And so I think that we can put so much attention on what we want, but I think that identity is what equals our our destiny. So who we are and how we show up. And so I think we can want certain things, but not show up as that person. So I I can give you an example from my own experience. Um, You know, um, I want to, and and I I wanted to build a career as an author and do what I'm do what I'm doing now, and so I wanted to share my 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 story and and offer my perspective, and I wanted it to be a successful career. And when my first book came out with Penguin Random House, it was the day of my release, and I had worked for a long time to get to that place. I think we can all relate to those things where we put our heart and soul into them and a day or a week or five years later, we finally get to that place where everything's on the table. It's, you know, bases loaded, ninth inning, World Series, you're up to bat. And it was seven in the morning and and my day was just starting. It was the release of my book and I had, you know, 200 things on my to-do list and felt all this like kind of stress. I'd worked so much and so long, but I'd also just gotten into a relationship. And so my desire, my dream, what I wanted was to be this person that, you know, made a career as an author and shared my, my perspective and, and what have you. So my girlfriend comes into the apartment up in, in, in Hollywood and, and she walks into the door crying and I'm being totally honest. My first thought was I knew I shouldn't have had a girlfriend. I was so selfishly concerned with what I wanted that I wasn't showing up as the type of person who was living what I was teaching and sharing to um, be of service and to be there and present with other people, to actually be a light worker by using my presence um, to to be there for people. Mm-hmm. And... I had had a call with my favorite author, one of my favorite authors, just before then. And he had told me, you're going to get there. You have a 50-year career. Don't lose sight of who you are um, in your in your day-to-day life. So I, I heard him after my initial thought, which was this selfish thought of, like, how can I distract her? Or, like, does she, does she realize this is my big day and she's crying? How selfish is she? And, and, and I heard his voice speak to me. And I stepped back and I got present with her and I ended up 
basically I, I missed numerous interviews. I didn't do a lot of the things I was supposed to do on my book release day, but I spent the whole day out with her. It was one of our biggest bonding days we had ever had. And, um, I was there for her and I went to bed that night beating myself up. You know, you idiot, you wanted this thing and you know, you missed this X, Y, and Z. You worked so hard, so long, so many hours a day for this. And there was this voice, but I took a breath and it was the first time my nervous system didn't feel in a state of flux and constant stress. I was creating quote unquote some success. I was reaching some big goals publishing with Penguin Random House um, as a 22 year old, but I was stressed all the time because I was in the pursuit of this desire and I wasn't showing up as that type of person. And I said to myself, you know, if this affects my career in a negative way, at least I was finally really being the type of person that I want to be. And I went to bed that night with that thought and I worked less than I ever had, you know, over the next 18 months. Um, but I showed up way more as a type of person. And over those next 18 months, I'd never been healthier, never been happier. I made more money than I ever did in the previous so when I started showing up as the type of person rather than just focusing on what I want and, and productivity, um, my energy changed. And when my energy changed, my life changed. And I know it's a long-winded story, but um, that's how it showed up for me in the physical was I wanted this thing. All I did is work, but I wasn't being that type of person. And when I did, uh, my, my life really changed. Mm, super cool. Well, uh Hat tip to you. Is a hat tip even a relevant thing or is that like the 1950s? I'm going to tip my hat to you. Uh, but uh, yeah, very, very cool. And uh, yeah, I'm quite familiar with that type of situation as we spoke about earlier before we started recording, uh, working uh, at home with uh, your significant other, as do I, and uh, the types of challenges that can come up quite randomly throughout the days and weeks. So well done. And uh, yeah, appreciate you, man. Thanks for taking the time to kick it with us on the podcast today. If people want to continue to stay engaged with you and, and kind of follow your journey, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, well, yeah, thanks for having me, man. And, and thanks for everyone listening. Well, my name is the same as yours and, and your, your listeners know that. So my last name is Ducey, D as in David, U-C-E-Y. So and you could type that in on social media or Google and and join the join the uh, community on social media or or my uh, or my or my website. Mm, cool, right on. So Jake Ducey and uh, okay, lots of love, my man, and um, thank you to everyone who's listening. Thanks so much for rocking with us. If you dug today's interview, I'd love if you'd be game to share it with somebody in your real life. You can share it on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, wherever, but also with someone who you think might benefit directly from it. And one last thing, we've got some really exciting things happening in the near future. I'm gearing up to implement some new ways and fun opportunities to help you transform your life with what we spoke about today and some other goodness in the near future. And so, in order to make sure that you get the down low on how to rock with us, what I'd love for you to do is head on over to sensify.com and make sure that you're subscribed to the newsletter. So that's S-E-N-S-O 
phy.com and I will share with you the most ballistic behind the scenes absolute dopeness that will hopefully light up your day and also some great opportunities to engage with our community to get support in making these meaningful changes that we spoke about today. So sensify.com, sign up for the newsletter and feel free to shoot me a personal email after you sign up as you will get the opportunity to reply to my email when you do that. So much love. Looking forward to talking soon. Thanks for rocking with us. Have yourself a dope day. Later.